In this podcast, we will be talking about ghosts, aliens, murder, and true crime. User discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Candy. And I'm Laura. And welcome to We Love Dead Things. This week, we are going to talk about hometown alien experiences. I don't know how to explain that. Even though we both technically didn't really experience these. I wish. We experienced the aftermath. That would be epic. I would love to experience aliens. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen in my lifetime. I'm not that lucky. (laughs) I'm not either. So... Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? It's up to you. Mine, like you noticed, because you did my print for me, (laughs) is really long. And I'm probably not going to say everything that I wrote down, because not everything needs to be said. But a lot of it is moderately conducive to the topic. I even got myself off topic writing notes. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have a shorter thing, and I don't have a movie to make fun of at the end, so... I had three movies to make fun of at the end, but I was only able to watch one because I'm not paying to watch the other one. Yeah, I wouldn't pay to watch them either. And Pretty sure they're really bad. I just used your Hulu to watch Phoenix Forgotten anyway, <laughs> so we're good. Well, at least it's easy <laughs> to find. Yeah. Okay, so I should probably go first because we'll go on a two-hour rant about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my homeland is Oregon. I wasn't born there, but I was raised there, and I was there during the time that this happened. But to go into this, I have to go into a brief history about Oregon, because when you think aliens, you don't think Oregon, but Oregon actually has the second largest UFO convention in the United States. (laughs) So it's like the Pacific Coast version of Roswell. Yeah, yeah, it's second to Roswell. So, like, but you don't think about that when you think of Oregon. Mm-hmm. No, you would honestly think of Phoenix next. Yeah. Phoenix, Nevada. People always say Nevada. I but honestly I, very rarely ever think of Nevada, despite Area 51 being right there. Yeah, I was going to say most people think of it because Area 51 is there. Okay, so, fun fact, the flying saucer was coined in Oregon in June of 1947. Um, rescue pilot... Kenneth Arnold was flying near Mount Rainier when he saw nine silver objects in the sky. They flew in an eerie side-to-side fashion for a few minutes before they flew out of view. Although he said the UFO was triangle in shape, triangular in shape. Yeah, I wrote triangle. (laughs) (laughs) The article said triangular, but I wrote triangle in shape. He did say that they flew like saucers skipping across the water. So the East Oregonian paper ran the news story as flying saucers, and this was a whole month before the Roswell incident. Actually, so it came out of Oregon. And I was going to say something about Roswell, because I remember Roswell, I don't remember personally, but I remember Roswell happening in 1947. Yeah, it happened a whole month before that. Nice. Yeah. So then in 1950, Evelyn and Paul Trent caught a photo of a UFO in the McMinnville area. That's kind of maybe about 30 minutes away from what I'm talking about later, too. So it's all kind of in the same little area. It's probably a good 30, 40 miles away, then really close. The photo has since been debated. Like, everybody has debated on whether it's fact or faked. And the leading UFO debunker, Robert Schaefer, says that it's faked. He says the photo shows gray skies even though the weather that day was clear. Also, the trends said that they took it at sunset, but the shadows actually face the east. And I will post a photo on Instagram and you guys can tell us what you guys think, if it's fact or faked. Is it that traditional photo of the mountains with the water and the freaking saucer? Yeah. No. It's on a farm. It's on a farm. Oh. Yeah. How's that? Oregon has a lot of farmland. I imagine. Yeah. So then in October of 1990, there was a case of mu- mutilated cows right on the Oregon and Washington border. 
Richard Fazio found five of his cows dead and scattered across three of his pastures, and the organs had been removed. The Oregon State University studied the tissue and decided that it was possibly from a laser. Later on, two people who lived nearby testified that they heard unusual sounds that night. That's crazy. One of the ladies goes into this long thing about how she thought she saw somebody with a flashlight out on the pasture. I don't really believe her. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you came out after the fact. Yeah. Now moving up to Hubbard, Oregon, which is where I'm focusing on. We have to go into a brief hi- history of UFOs in Hubbard, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a brief history. So looking back to the year my dad was born, shout out to my dad. Because I love him, and he's awesome, and he better be listening to this. (laughs) On May 18, 1964, Michael Bison, a 10-year-old, told his father he saw a bright, shiny object land on their farm. He said the ship smelled of fuel and made a noise before flying off. His father decided to have a look and found a hole in the ground where the UFO had landed. He actually called the sheriff who came out to investigate. The wheat in the area had been flattened down and looked suspicious, according to the sheriff. The airbase in Corvallis, Oregon, was notified, and Lieutenant Frank Rezak interviewed everyone and noted that the story stayed the same, even the boys, after asking him to repeat the story a few times. Okay. On June 28, 1997, in Silver Creek Falls, Oregon, which is about 30 minutes away from Hubbard, so it's all in this little area, a double horseshoe designed crop circle was spotted. The city, oh, I already said that. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> the researchers of this crop circle actually became ill after examining it, reportedly. There's no proof, but reportedly they got sick. So now to my story. In July of 1998, a pilot was flying towards a nearby airship when he spotted a formation of circles, lines, and arcs in the field below him. The field was shown on Coin TV, drawing people in to see the crop circle. The first researchers actually had problems even finding the crop circle because there had been no path to the circle. The news story showed that the, showed the crop circle drew enough attention that the police in Hubbard got many calls from all across Oregon about aliens. Crop circle researchers also called in and asked the police in the area to keep the field cleared so that they could research it, so that there weren't a million people there while they were trying to research it. Mm-hmm. Hilariously enough, the owner of the farm, Doug Admit, actually had no idea that the crop circle was there until researchers showed up on his farm asking if they could research it. Later on, he told reporters he had no idea what to think of the crop circle and even joked about selling a few shirts to make extra bucks. Keith Ardinger, a crop circle researcher, said that he believed the crop circle was created from microwave radiation. He sent samples of the wheat that had been tested for internal internal charges, um, which proved that there were internal changes to it, because it's changes, not charges. Mm -hmm. And it actually rolled out human involvement, supposedly. The crop circle also brought in a ton of people to see it, making it one of the most visited crop circles in the U.S. history. And interestingly enough, there are rumors of crop circles showing up in Hubbard, Oregon in as early as the 1920s. And at the same time that this one in 1998 showed up, um, one showed up in in Belgium, another in Idaho, and another in Utah within the same day. However, because I have to point this out, and there's that little skeptic side of me, it is easy to fake a crop circle. You just need some ropes and some planks, and you can knock the weed over without using any machines or anything. And it won't break the stalk as long as it's not completely blunt on the end. According to scientists, strange weather patterns can actually create crop circles. So, if there was any kind of strange weather, it could have came from that. Maybe it was mad cow disease. Mad cow disease. Do you remember that episode? I think it was The Simpsons, or maybe it was South Pit. I think it was The Simpsons, Springfield, Oregon. Um, where the cows had mad cow disease, and the cow got into the wheat field, and it started rolling around in the wheat crop, flattening it out, and the cows were making crop circles. <laughs> 
I don't think it's the cows making crop circles. We're going to pretend it was mad cow disease. But I will be posting pictures of the crop circles on Instagram, and I want you guys to tell us if it's real or fake, and does the fact that a nearby city having a crop circle a year before mean that he faked it to get attention too? Or is it completely unrelated because three popped up in the same day all across the world? That's my story. To me, that's just way too coincidental. Like, Belgium, which ironically, I have a little clip about Belgium myself that are like the blip because <laughs> I forgot to research Belgium. Um, and I was going to do that today. And I didn't because my truck. <laughs> Actually, my truck literally for me was an entire 45 minutes. Yeah. But I let my truck run that life today, and I, that's why I hate that thing. I fucking hate that thing. It is the worst. Okay. Yeah, I think that was a, just a really big coincidence for years, at least. I remember hearing about a bunch of crop circles popping up around the same time. Like, probably in middle school, I had a history teacher who was a sci-fi geek. Well, it was 1998, so we would have been third grade third grade fourth grade third grade i was in fourth grade in 2000 so yeah because your birthday was after the cutoff because that would have been 1998 1999 school Mm -hmm. year so it would have been around third grade but they really didn't talk about stuff like that until a couple years later because you gotta wait for it to become history it's not history technically yeah same week it's just something that happened this week yeah but it's also a crop circle, and you don't want to wait to go visit the crop circle. No, but there's tons of photographs of them. That's Is true. the one from Oregon, like, the circle that's, like, a circle within a circle, and then there's a line, and then there's a circle, and then there's a line, and there's a circle? No, it's, like, this wavy, like, flowy, like, it's really cool. You'll have to see the photos. That's why I said of lines, arcs, and circles because it's pretty interesting. It's different than most of them that you see. That's fun. We should talk about the Nazca lines in a different episode. I love the Nazca lines. I'd have to research those. They're epic. They are <laughs> rock carving. No, they're not. They're sand lines. Sand lines. You know rocks can make lines in the sand the wind actually blows the rocks around and they make lines in the sand isn't that creepy these are in the shape of like animals and people so there's a possibility that it's not rocks that made those it's just the strange weather pattern (laughs) strange weather pattern that drew a monkey in the ground yeah and a hummingbird it's like how you see clouds that look like hands or dragons i mostly see dragons i instagrammed a picture a few weeks ago of a cloud that looks like a penis oh not on the We Love Dead Things Instagram. I put that on my personal account and my parents can see it. Yeah, of course. Because that's where you put those. That's where you put penises, where your parents can see them. Yeah. Hey, my dad is a dork. He found a um, power cell once in the living room when I was staying with him. And I left it in the living room so that I could remember to take it with me and throw it in my bag. So I'm just leaving it. I put it on a table next to the sofa to grab it as I'm leaving. And as I'm getting ready for work that night, my dad comes and he tells me, if you're going to have these things, can you keep them in your room? Because he thought it was a vibrator. He didn't know it was a... And I was like, it's a phone charger. He was so fucking red. (laughs) It was the best. It was absolutely the greatest thing ever. And that is how my dad started to assume that I wasn't a perfect little angel. I was like 24. Yeah, I was the hellion in the family, so my dad knows I'm not a perfect angel. I think my dad thinks that my daughter is like the baby Jesus because she was born immaculately. Oh, well, my dad knows. I was the troublemaker. I was grounded every week. I got grounded so I could read Harry Potter, though, so. So did I. Why would I want to go to my cousin's birthday party when their Harry Potter book just released? Exactly. My cousins are, I love my cousins, they are awesome, but we don't have anything in common, so naturally I'm going to want to spend less time with people who play sports. Yeah. yeah, Harry Potter played before. If Quidditch was a sport that I could join, I would finally find my people. Hell no. 
I'm like the Hermione Granger of Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm terrified of heights, but I would totally fly a broom. I would try to fly a broom and get like five feet off the air and then just be like, okay, I'm going back down now. Or are you like Ron and get hit in the face with a broom? <laughs> First day of flying class. Yeah. That would actually probably be me. Get frustrated, get smacked in the face. Yeah. Sounds about right. So, what's your story, Laura? (laughs) Alright, you guys ready for the tale of the century? Okay, so I am going to talk about the Phoenix Lights. Some people call them the Lights Over Phoenix. They were apparently seen in Nevada, quite a bit of the state of Arizona, as far north as Kingman, apparently, which is actually pretty far from Phoenix. Majority of the metro area saw it. People in Tucson, all the way into Sonora, Mexico, which is our sister city to where we live now. I lived in Eloy at the time, which is a solid 60 miles from Phoenix and from where the lights were seen at the very least. And probably a good another 40 miles from Tucson. I remember the incident the following day. I remember it being in March and I remember the news saying last night the police received hundreds, hundreds of thousands of calls from people reporting these lights that were showing up in V-shaped patterns, similar to what the people in Oregon saw, apparently. Um, They didn't say anything about them flying like a saucer, but they were showing up in a V-shaped pattern. And it was on the news for maybe a week, people talking about it, and then just kind of went silent. But I remember after that, that really, my dad's always been into aliens, and that really kick-started him being outside all the time. Well, yeah, he had to try to catch them. He wanted to see them. But what's funny is that night, I'm sure, he was possibly outside anyway. My dad, we lived in Ewa at the time, we lived next door. My grandfather, his brother lived in town. My cousins are not actually that much younger than my parents. My mom's oldest nephew is only five years younger than him. So my older cousins were always at my grandparents' house where everybody would just hang out together. All the adults were together all the time as kids that are on the bed. So I'm like, what you guys stated that you didn't see what was going on? Because if they could see it in Tucson, in Mexico, they could see it in Eloy. And Eloy is super, super tiny. There's not really, there's no streetlights in town whatsoever. Well, there's no stoplights in town. There's very few streetlights. Very small, very quiet, very dark. Especially we lived on the outskirts of town, so it was really dark to begin with. So it was a really big deal. It was all over the news. I remember a few months into the situation, after the incident, it became big again. And we can get into that in a little bit, because I've got some information that I found on Wikipedia, which I'm probably going to go to Wikipedia for a lot of different things. For me, it's been a really good resource for research since high school. I probably on my parents' computers still have about 6,000 papers that I took myself to make because I got bored. The easiest way to explain I get bored, I research things. I've always been that person. And I probably have something on the Phoenix Lights on my parents' computer for all I know. But the lights apparently were seen between 7.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. and it was a solid 300 mile range. And I don't know why, but I put standard time and military time. I I can read time no matter what it is, so it doesn't really matter either way unless you read my paper, which I don't know if you read my paper. But I did write it in both times. But it was a really big area, so thousands of people were seeing these lights. It was all over the place. There were people who were recording the lights. There are videos if you go on YouTube. There's a lot of video footage, and it's pretty much the same thing constantly. And one major video is of a get-together that was happening where this guy is recording the lights as they're showing up, and you see two lights. They look on camera six inches apart from each other, which they were very wide distance. And slowly you can see more lights going up into a V-shape. So then there's four lights in total, and then one at the bottom, so that it makes this shape, which I'm making a triangle shape with my hands, and 
they start to flicker out after a little while. And the entire time she was like, this is crazy. I've never seen anything like this, but I have seen video footage about something like this before. Somewhere nearby in the Phoenix area, people were seeing a secondary set of lights that were smaller pattern, similar shape. They don't know where they came from, but right around the time that this happened, within the week, the Air Force goes into telling us that what it was is that there were flares. It was a flare from an A-10 Warthog aircraft carrier. They were doing exercises at the Barry Goldwater Ridge, which is in the southern Arizona state portion. So we'll see it as just lights. You're not going to see the tails of the flare because it's super high up, it's farther away, but flares even then wouldn't show up in such a perfect pattern. Flares tend to be in funny shape. Well, and even if you don't see the tail, you're still going to see it shoot up. Mm-hmm. You can, if you can see the light. Or when they drop down, tail. because if there was a recent aircraft carrier, it would have dropped down. Yeah, that's true. They would have saw them dropping down. And even if you don't see the tail, you would see it drop down. But people said that they stayed still. Yeah, they were staying still. Um, Some people said that they didn't stay still in the Prescott Valley area. People claimed to hear a whooshing noise, which I say whoosh a lot. Now that I think about it, this is the third episode, and I said whoosh every single time. Yep. They could hear noise, and it sounded like engines. They could see a shape of a craft. It wasn't just lights in this portion of the state. I guess it, it was closer to Prescott than it was Phoenix. And there was a very distinct V-shaped aircraft that had these lights on it. And the front light, or the V, the inner V, whatever you want to call it, had a different shaped light than other, the other little lights, I guess. I can't explain it. They were seen roughly 8.17 p.m., which was after the people in Phoenix had seen it, which Prescott Valley is a little bit further away from Phoenix. They're not in the Metroplex. Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit longer to get there, which if it was moving, that would make perfect sense. Um, Somebody claimed that the craft that they saw was roughly the size of a Boeing 747. So I don't know a lot about planes, but I know that's big. Yeah, that's a big plane. That's a really big plane. The Boeing 747 carried the space shuttle. If it didn't carry a space shuttle, that is huge. Yeah, and but the thing with the Boeing 747 is that it doesn't have the same lights that the Phoenix Light No, has. and that was a big thing, as they were also saying that it was a training exercise where it would have been a fighter jet from Luke Air Force Base, which you can see from that area. It's right there, not far from Mesa. And you can hear them. You can hear them. And some people were saying that it sounded like jet engines. But when jet engines, when jets in formation, which a lot of formations are V-shaped, they, when they break off from one another, you can see them break off. You can see them move away. They don't just disappear unless they turn off their lights. This happened in the middle of the night in March. I don't know if I said that. This happened on March 13, 1997. So it's nighttime you would see the lights break away, and if the lights just turned themselves off, they wouldn't be able to see anything. Exactly. They, they were in the middle of nowhere, technically. It would be really hard to see anything. It's too dark so that the city lights wouldn't be as bright as they are today. It's been 21 years, and it is considerably brighter now than it was back then. There wouldn't have been as much. Where Luke Air Force Base was and where all of this was seen wasn't as heavily populated, so you're not going to have bright city lights making everything seem less bright. You could see the sky in Phoenix back then. You can't now. Um, There was a man named John Kaiser who was outside with his wife and sons when they saw the triangular pattern. And the, the tip light, the front, the V, was white, which was one of the other things that was different than the other lights. They were red lights, and they were shaped differently, but this one was white. So some people thought that was weird. He thought that was really weird. And a lot of other people who saw it said that the tip light was a lot different. Tim Lay and his wife Bobby, along with their grandson, were supposedly the first people to see it above Prescott Valley. 
and they said that they were in the distinct arc as well, but it looked like if that had been on top of a balloon. They said over time, the lights appeared to have come closer to them, but as they grew closer, it seemed like they were getting farther apart from each other, which when you're farther away, things look closer together than they really are as you come closer. You can see the distance. So I think that's possibly what they were noticing is that they weren't as on top of each other. You can't really find a whole lot of images on the, on the Phoenix lights. They pretty much all look the same. It's just a series of lights in a V-shaped formation. Some lights have been digitally remastered over the last 20 years that it looks like you can see the craft, but I don't trust those. Yeah, I don't trust uh, digital remasters because there could be smoke in front of the camera or something like that. Or, I mean, we have Instagram. You can sit there and play with filters and make it look like there's something in a room that there's not. Oh, yeah. I took photography for six years between middle school and high school, and I can superimpose a photo and it. If you know how to take apart the picture digitally, then you're going to know that it's not real. But if I printed it out and handed it to someone who doesn't know Google about photography, they're going to assume that I'm really hanging out with George Strait, which y'all don't know this, but I'm going to marry the man. So I'm going to eventually superimpose myself into his wedding picture. During the event, there were also people who, they took photos, they took videos, and there's a man named Richard Curtis who had recorded a detailed video that apparently showed the outline of the spacecraft, but that file, video, cassette tape, or cassette tape, it's been lost. He doesn't know where it went. Bullshit. Yeah, I would not have lost that tape. I would put it in a vault. I would be selling that shit to everybody. Right? Send that shit to the National Enquirer because they take good money. And that's been around for decades. My house would be the next Roswell. Dude, right? Well, they have the videos. They have pictures. Some of the videos you can find all over the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. They have the worst reenactments. They are epic. I love them. They are so bad. I remember one reenactment video where it's like this couple is in bed, which they must work like at 2 o'clock in the morning to be in bed at 7.30 at night, and they've got this beautiful balcony, and it's overlooking the valley because they're on mountains, and the lights are super, super, super bright, and it wakes them up from a dead sleep, and the wife is like all pretty and perfect despite being in a dead sleep, and they rush out onto their balcony, because there's the lights and there's the V-shaped aircraft, which looks like something superimposed from the television series V, put into this video that was on Discovery. And I don't remember what video. It might have been the History Channel. It was the History Channel. I remember that specific little thing that I saw probably 10 years ago, if not longer. <laughs> I just remember it, and I remember it was about the Phoenix Lights. Because when they show them go out, you can see South Mountain in the background, which wouldn't be another anyway, but, so there's a UFO advocate, and I want his job, his name is Jim Ilaroso, he claims to have performed a spectral analysis of the photographs and video imagery that would have proved the lights could not have been produced by something man-made, he used software called Image Pluro Plus, which I think is on my parents' old desktop computer, because I remember having video software on the desktop computer that when my dad bought a webcam, I would record myself talking, and then I would mess with the video. Yeah, I just played Neopets. I was very, like, I liked stuff like that. So I remember messing with it. I was also that kid that got in trouble because I took the computer apart. But he determined the different aspects of red, green, and blue hues in the different photographs as well as the images were not messed with, I guess. It wasn't altered. There was, that's what I'm trying to say, it wasn't altered. I did not take good notes on this part. 
Um, several sources also pointed out that it is impossible to determine the spectral signature of a light source based on photo or video imagery, as film and electronics alter the spectral signature of the light source by shifting out the hue in the visible spectrum. I took that directly from Wikipedia. So like when you put it on the computer and you start to alter the image, it distorts the shadows and it distorts the natural coloring. So if you're just trying to enhance the color to maybe get more red out of the rock, it's also going to affect the color of the metal, make them look less silver, more blue, which that's just a whole other situation on its own that can really fuck with the photo and it can fuck with the video. It's like when you do Instagram filters. Yeah, there's information that now that photo equipment can eliminate light outside the visible spectrum infrared and ultraviolet light will do that for you that would be necessary or for complete analysis media cybernetics the maker of image pro plus stated that its software is incapable of performing spectroscopic analysis and there's a company named a video lab company called cognitech that superimposed the video imagery of the lights onto videos shot during daytime in the exact same area. In their composite, the lights seem to extinguish the moment they reached the Australia mountain range, which is where you'll see most of the pictures showing where you see it's dark. There's a mountain range on the side that's a little bit darker, and then you see the lights to the sides, and then you can see mountain ranges in the back. The one that's closest would, would have been the Australian mountain range. And they don't show anymore. Which you can see them perfectly during the day, but at night, it's just darkness. The local Fox affiliate claimed to have performed a similar test that showed the lights were in front of the mountain range and suggested the Cognitech date may have, data, not date, may have been altered. A third analysis had been performed by a visiting astronomy professor at ASU. His name was Dr. Paul Scallon. He overlaid imagery from the daytime with shots of the lights at night, and his findings were the same as Cognitech. Things were, were not there that they should have been. Phoenix New Times reported that the TV station had simply overlaid two video tracks on a visual editing, editing machine without using a computer to match zoom and scale of the images. So you go and you do that and it's gonna fuck it up because it's not the same. It's gonna show up differently because you can record two things in the exact, what seems like the exact same spot, but unless you put down cement with footprints on where to stand both times, even six inches is gonna fuck with the video or the footage. So they really, there's no 100% way to prove that it was real, unless you believe it. If you were there and you saw it and you know what you saw, then who knows what you saw. I don't. I wasn't there. I was probably asleep because I was a little kid. But you see it in the movie. The movie was fucking... Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Not yet, at least. Some people are classifying it as military testing. Some are saying that it was UFO contact. It just depends on what you're saying. Eyewitness reports indicate that several UFOs were in the area, which were separate from this event, but that's pretty well dismissed. I don't remember hearing much about UFOs here, with the exception of that. I did read a little article from Arizona Central. Uh, two months prior to the incident, there were reports made that people were seeing lights. General knowledge outside the local area which I wasn't even local to the area, technically. Didn't show up for three months, exactly. People started finding stuff out until June 18. That's been a while, but it was on the news prior to that. I remember hearing it. Maybe that's an effect, Mandela effect. I remember it being on the news because I remember my dad making a big deal out of it. There's not a whole lot of evidence to prove that it wasn't aliens, so maybe it was. Of course it was. I think it was. Um, Jim Mann from the Arizona Mufon, which I forgot to write down what that means, but it's like something UFO something. Who knows? They investigated 325 cases of reported UFO sightings in the last year, and that's from this year. 12 were files unknown. A lot of them were just unexplained. There's a festival. Of course. It's not far from us. 
Of course. It is at the um, the thing, that's the casino. It is at the park at Wild Forest Pass. That is literally 45 minutes away from where we are sitting right now. I'm going to hop on the interstate and get there quicker. I want to go. I would go. I'm actually disappointed that I did not go to the one up in McMinnville, Oregon, because I lived about 30 minutes away from there. That would have been perfect. Do you want to know what MUFON is? Yes, I forgot. The Mutual UFO Network. And the reason why I looked it up was because they actually researched my crop circle. Did they really? Yeah. We need to change jobs. We really do. We need to. This is our work. Well, the tickets went on pre-sale on Friday. The event will be held in April. The event has been going on since 2015. I went on the Facebook page. A very good friend of mine apparently has gone. So there is an extremely loud video announcement on YouTube for the festival. It's basically an homage to the original event. There's going to be like, you'll see the lights and you'll see the V-shaped formations. It's going to be really awesome. It's pretty good. They're not good. They're bands that I've heard of at the very least. I don't really listen to EDM, so I don't know any of these people. I probably won't know them either. But it'll still be fun. We can pretend that we're doing Molly with everybody because I'm a mom. I can't do that. You can. I can. I'm not going to. Because <laughs> my dad listens to this podcast, Laura. True. There was also a BuzzFeed Unsolved video on it, and I love BuzzFeed Unsolved. Not as much as Ghost Adventures, but they're a second. They're a close second. I'm the love child of Shane and Ryan, so I'm skeptical despite the fact that I love everything that they discuss. So they found all the exact same stuff I did a lot. Like, literally everything that they discussed was everything that I already found, so there wasn't a whole lot in there on that. But the guy from Ancient Aliens... I did not write his name because I can't pronounce his name. Not even going to try. I think he's Greek. He's the meme guy anyways. Just look up meme guy aliens and that's him. Honestly, you type in ancient aliens and you're going to pop up pictures of this dude whose name I could not begin to pronounce if I tried. I literally, my notes say they talked to hairdos in ancient aliens. It's all about hair. And you know the worst part? If you find a picture of him where his hair is not psychotically standing up, he looks like a serial killer. That's because he probably is. He probably is. I don't know, but I love him. This is where, when you talk about Belgium, like I perked up a little bit. Several years prior to the Phoenix Lights incident, there was an incident that happened in Belgium, similar even. And then he was talking about how there's ancient documentation, obviously, of flying shields with life which was basically me a flying saucer. I get back into 1997 when an airman from Luke Air Force Base reported that they had received a call from Prescott Valley Airport that an object had a near miss with a small Cessna. They claimed the call had come in around 8.32 p.m. and that Luke Air Force Base sent two airmen to check it out and command pilot of this particular flight stated he had never seen this man so scared. Or that's what the airman said about his command pilot. He was scared to death. He's not sure what it was, but it scared him. And he says that the aircraft that they saw went on a straight course. He saw five different distinct lights in a triangular pattern. He claims that the base had gone on complete lockdown at this point. All hell broke loose. The entire facility was closed. And that happened around 8.30 p.m. So they were right on top of each other. And around the same time as all of this, that's when they dropped the flares. So they're covering tracks of whatever it was that they saw. There's a lot of different things about it. I remember seeing a news broadcast with the governor that we had at the time, Spike Simonton, talking about the incident. And I don't particularly remember what he was saying about the incident, but I remember them bringing on the suspect, and they bring in this gigantic alien handcuff, and he's like, don't let him come too close to me. And then, like, he unmasked the alien, and it was just just a staff. It was just a joke. They were joking around. But about so many years, I think it was like 10 years ago, when the second, second air flow incident happened, he stated that that night he had seen something. He saw the same thing that everybody else had seen. And he went on the news to state this, that 
all those years ago, just like everybody else, he saw something, he told his staffers, he told everybody that I did see it too. But to avoid mass hysteria, I guess he wanted to keep it from being too much of a big deal. They didn't know what it was. It didn't affect anyone, as far as we know. Nothing that was made media and noteworthy, at least. Until those three teens went missing. Yeah. Just kidding, that didn't actually happen. But in 2007, there was a sighting. Again, the same thing. But that was really quickly debunked. The government had sent out some tests when all of this happened in 2007. And then there was another incident in 2008 where they showed up again. And I remember this being on the news. I don't remember the 2007 incident. But I remember the 2008 one, the year after I graduated. Um, I was out with some friends, and we saw these really weird lights in the sky. And we were not ourselves, so we didn't think anything of it. But it was on the news the next morning. I remember I was getting ready to do whatever it was I was doing for the day, and it was all over the news that they had seen this. People had been seeing these lights in the sky. But some guy had let some air balloons, helium balloons go with lights attached. It was just some random civilian messing around. His neighbor called it in, and then he admitted to it himself. And there are three movies that are based on the Phoenix Light. We can talk about the two that neither of us have seen. One is called Night Skies. I did not get a date for this movie. But basically, it's just about six strangers who had a harrowing encounter with a UFO on a desolate road near Phoenix. I didn't even look into the plot synopsis. I probably should have. I didn't bother. There's another incident, or another movie called The Phoenix Incident, where a number of missing person cases were reported in Phoenix after thousands of people witnessed unexplained series of lights in the night sky. This is pretty much just a movie based on what happened. But the whole missing person cases, which makes me think that that and Phoenix Forgotten might be similar movies, which Phoenix Forgotten was basically a movie that took place it's a modern-day movie. It was made in 2016, I believe. Yeah, it was pretty recent. It was pretty recent. It was 2016-2017. The beginning of the movie takes place during the time of the incident, which would have been March 13, 1997. And the night that it happened was the night of this little girl's birthday party, and they show a bunch of people giving her birthday wishes, and then they cut out just as the girl's older brother is about to give her his sentiments. And then you cut forward her as an adult. She's making a documentary, which was just all kinds of bullshit. The dad sounds like one of the guys from the original footage that I had seen dozens of times with video with the group of people that actually reported this so-called incident. The dad in the movie sounds like the dad from that video. But basically it's her trying to discover what happened with her friend, her brother and his two friends, because they were trying to research what happened. Because what was it the girl said? There was something in the Bible? Yeah, the Ezekiel circle or something like that. The eye of God or whatever. I remember that. Oh, three rings together that when they move, spin. They yeah. spin, that's how they move. Throughout the entire movie, it's basically the girl going back and forth, looking for information on her brother because he had gone missing. It's already been 20 years. She's trying to find her brother. She's trying to find his friends. But then they're also cutting back to video footage that the brother had saved in his room over the weeks following the incident where they're getting information. They're trying to talk to people and just figure out what all of this is. They talk to him now from the Navajo Nation who says that they have tales about this kind of incident happening and that it's people they're going to be back with their lost loved ones, people that they've already lost. Who knows if that's actually true? I've never heard of stories like that. I grew up around here. I know a lot of people who are Native American that I've heard a lot of different stories. I've never heard a story like that. Doesn't mean that there isn't any. It's faked for the movie. Probably. You could see modern-day vehicles on the background. They didn't even try to hide them. Yeah. Probably because it was so low-budget. But 
I like the ending of the movie. The ending of the movie was the only good part of the movie. It really was. I like how when they're in the desert, they're supposed to be leaving, but they're not because they see the light. One of the friends starts getting sick and his nose starts bleeding and they find the car, they get lost. And when they finally find the car, they start driving and they're being chased by something. And then the car dies, which reminded me of my car dying last week. His nose doesn't bleed until after they're at the car, by the way. I thought it happened before they got to the car. No, no. He goes he goes up to the top of one of the ridges to look around, and the other two are still at the bottom because the compass stops working, and the lights come, and they come hiding. And then after a couple minutes, he shows back up, and he's like, we got to go. Let's go now. And they make it back to the vehicle somehow. And then as they're trying to fix it, because it's not working, he turns around and looks at the camera dude, and his nose is bleeding. I swear that happened before all of that. Eh. I fell asleep during that movie six different times. It's only an hour and 45 minutes long. I could not stay awake. I watched the whole movie, and it is so boring. It is so bad. The only action is the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, when... Like, he's chasing after the girl, and she's like, it's my dad, it's my dad, look, dad, here I am. And then the lights and all the noise and the whooshing, which that actually did sound like aircraft, she disappears. Yeah. And then that's when the guy, he goes into the trailer, and that tree goes up like the trailer from The Strangers. The new version, not the original. And the thing, like, drags him out, basically, it, like, sucks him up, and you can see the... Yeah, you see him getting sucked up in the mirror... And then the camera gets sucked up, and then the camera, like, spins around. And they're, like, during the spinning around, it gives, like, the, like, and they've never been seen again type thing because it's, like, a found footage kind of movie. And then the camera lands on the ground, and it's just showing on the ground. And then they cut to credits. And I just, a camera from the 90s probably could stand something like that. But it was... I want to know if it was in the middle of nowhere. How did it wind up back in that storage facility? Who found it and shipped it to them? I would assume that there was somebody hiking, and it was a school property camera. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure the school had a, like, please return to this school. And this hiker was just like, okay, I'll return it to that school and shipped this crappy ass camera back to the school but then they should have well at this point it's been 20 years so they're not gonna have the footage anymore or the paperwork stating who checked it out but depending on how long it's been in storage it was in a pretty jacked up looking box it looked like it was there for a while yeah you don't know how long it was in storage for and schools just aren't the best at that stuff well and it's arizona schools suck here anyway Let's face it, we did not get put on the dumbest school list for nothing. Have you seen that Area 51 movie? Which one? The one where the dude runs into the forest and then gets abducted and then dropped back off. And he comes out of the forest and then he feels like he has to go to Area 51. So he's making all these people like go with him to area 51 and then they wind up breaking into area 51 and the aliens pretty much kill them no i have not that sounds epic it's kind of like phoenix forgotten in the fact that it's like a found footage kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it's pretty interesting not the best but if you want to watch alien movies what's it called area 51 no i haven't I was almost tempted to look up information about it was a so-called abduction up in the snowflake area, and I believe it happened in like the 70s, maybe the 80s. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember. I heard about it on the And That's Why We Drink podcast initially, and they made this like whole joke about why would they name a city called Snowflake in Arizona? It doesn't snow. And but they they were talking about a situation and I believe it was M who was talking about it. This abduction that took place and I, I wanna say it was the seventies or eighties and I'm probably wrong. 
about this guy. Him and his friends were out. They saw these weird lights, and he kept getting closer and closer, and something took him. And he disappeared, and they couldn't find him, and they were looking for him, and his dog, and his dog was looking for him, I guess. I might just imagine that. They're like, oh. I actually think I know this story. But he shows up so much later, and he starts talking about what happened. Yeah, they have to hypnotize him to get the whole story. Yeah. Because yeah. he kind of, he like put it in the back of it, they put it in the back of his head. So that he wouldn't remember, but they were able to get it out of him later. Yeah, I don't believe that story. I don't believe half of the alien stories, of it, any abduction stories at least. So if I get abduction, abducted, believe it. Because I don't believe abduction stories, but mine will be true. I might fake one for attention. I would probably fake one for attention. I'm just kidding. I could not fake an abdu- abduction story. That's too much work. And then you have all these people that believe you and you, like, know you lied. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. Mm, I don't know. What would I have to say? But, like, if Doctor Who wants to come and get me, that is perfectly fine. That is an alien abduction I'm okay with. I'm, I'm good with that, but I have to be able to take my kids. Yeah, he's not very good at making sure he comes back at the exact time that you need him to come back. Exactly. He would be like, okay, we're going to be gone. And it'll be a whole three hours when we get back, despite the fact that we'll be gone for a week. And then you'll show up a year later. Yeah. Because that's what happened to Rose. And I have a toddler. I can't just leave for a year. I can. Don't. Don't leave me at work by myself for a year. Would you tell me not to go with the doctor for reals, Laura? No, actually, I'd be really mad that I didn't get invited to come along. That would be fun. I would get a pill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too confrontational. I would get a pill. Yeah. I'm guessing that's the end. Maybe, quite possibly. I don't have anything else to say. Okay. Thank you for listening to We Love Dead Things. You can find us on Podbean at We Love Dead Things, Instagram at We Love Dead Things. Facebook at We Love Dead Things and on Twitter at We Love Dead Thing because we can't have an S.